1: and gentlemen thank you for standing by welcome to real matters first quarter 2021 conference call at this time all participants are in a listen only mode after the speaker's remarks there will be a question and answer session to ask a question during the session you will need to press star one on your telephone if you wish to remove yourself from the queue please press the pound key if you require any further assistance please press star zero thank you I would now like to hand the conference over to your host, Ms. Lynn Beauregard, Vice President of Investor Relations. Ma'am, the floor is yours. Thank you, Operator, and good
0: morning, everyone. Welcome to Real Matters Financial Results Conference Call for the first quarter ended December thirty first, 2020. With me today are Real Matters Chief Executive Officer Brian Lang and Chief Financial Officer Bill Herman. This morning before market open, we issued a news release announcing our Q1 results for the three months ended December 31st, 2020. The release, accompanying slide presentation, as well as the financial statements and NDNA are posted in the Investors section of our website at realmatters.com. During the call, we may make certain forward-looking statements which reflect the current expectations of management with respect to our business and the industry in which we operate. However, there are a number of risks, uncertainties, and other factors that could cause our results to differ materially from our expectations. Please see the slide entitled Cautionary Note regarding forward-looking information in the accompanying slide presentation for more detail. You can also find additional information about these risks in the risk factors section of the company's annual information form for the year ended September 30, 2020, which is available on CDAR and in the investor section of our website. As a reminder, we refer to non-GAAP measures in our slide presentation, including net revenue, net revenue margins, adjusted EBITDA, and adjusted EBITDA margins. Non-GAAP measures are described in our MDMA for the three-month end of December 31, 2020, where you will also find reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. With that, I'll turn the call over to Brian.
2: Thank you, Lynn. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on the call. I will kick things off today by discussing some of the highlights of our first quarter. Bill will then take a deeper dive into our segment financials and I'll wrap up the call with some brief remarks prior to taking questions. Turning to slide three, we delivered solid financial results in the first quarter. Consolidated net revenue increased 24.8% year over year to $44 million and adjusted EBITDA was up 19.7% to $17.4 million, and for the third quarter running, the contribution to net revenue and adjusted EBITDA of our U.S. title segment surpassed that of our U.S. appraisal segment. The U.S. mortgage origination market remained robust in the first quarter as low interest rates continue to provide a tailwind to market growth. These market dynamics provide a healthy backdrop for our growth, and we realized solid year-over-year market share gains in U.S. appraisal and even stronger gains in our U.S. title segment. U.S. appraisal segment revenues increased 3.2% year-over-year to $69.6 million, principally driven by market share gains and new client additions, which together drove higher origination revenues. The increase in origination revenues was offset in part by a 37.1% decline in other revenues, which represent home equity and default transactions. Origination only revenues were up 9.2% year over year relative to what we estimate was a flat addressable market for appraisals, which takes into account the impact of VA and waivers. In the quarter, we launched one new tier two lender in two channels, in U.S. appraisal. We also continue to rank at the top of lender scorecards, which drove market share gains in the main origination channel year over year. In fact, in the first quarter, we marked our third straight year as the top performer with one of our tier one clients. Operational excellence continues to be our principal focus as we drive toward achieving our fiscal 2025 objectives of doubling our U.S. appraisal purchase and refinance market share at the midpoint of the range. In our US title segment, first quarter revenues rose 39% year over year. Growth in our centralized title operations continued to significantly outpace the market, with revenues increasing nearly 93% compared to an estimated 60% increase in refinance market volumes. The significant increase in centralized title revenues was partially offset by a $4.1 million decline in diversified title revenues, and a $2.1 million decline in other title revenues representing home equity and real estate owned transactions. With new client launches in our centralized title business on the horizon, we've shifted resources away from our diversified title operations with a view of supporting our long-term growth strategy in the origination channel. In the quarter, we went live with two new clients, including a tier two lender, and our sales pipeline continues to be strong. As we indicated during our last quarterly call, we are actively engaged in a sales process with the majority of the tier ones on title today, and we remain confident that these engagements will result in our first tier one lender launch. In our Canadian segment, first quarter revenues were up 40.7% year over year, An adjusted EBITDA increased to $1.2 million from $0.7 million in the first quarter of Fiscal 2020. Higher appraisal volumes from increasing market share with certain Canadian clients and a stronger mortgage origination market in Canada were partially offset by modestly lower revenues from insurance inspection services due to COVID-19. The Canadian mortgage market continues to be remarkably resilient. With that, I'll hand
3: it over to Bill. Bill? Thank you, Brian. And good morning, everybody. Turning to slides four and five for a closer look at our financial results. Consolidated revenues were up 15.9% in the first quarter of fiscal 2021 compared to the same quarter last year due to significant revenue growth in our U.S. title segment and continued growth in Canadian and U.S. appraisal segment revenues. Revenues in our U.S. title segment were up 39 percent, while revenues in our U.S. appraisal segment increased 3.2 percent and Canadian segment revenues rose 40.7 percent, each expressed on a comparative basis. In our U.S. appraisal segment, we serviced higher origination volumes from market share gains and new client additions. Conversely, revenues related to home equity and default volumes declined year over year. Transaction costs in our U.S. appraisal segment increased 3.8% year-over-year, year, compared to the 3.2% increase in revenues for the same period. As a result, net revenue was up 1.4% to $15.7 million. However, net revenue margins declined 40 basis points to 22.6% in the first quarter of fiscal 2021 from the 23% we posted in the first quarter of fiscal 2020 due in part to the mix of mortgage origination volume service and we continue to build capacity and strengthen the network in anticipation of volume growth in the second half of fiscal 2021. Operating expenses in our U.S. appraisal segment increased 3.5% to 6.9 million, up from 6.7 million in the first quarter of fiscal 2020 due to higher payroll and related costs from higher origination volume service. As a result, adjusted EBITDA was flat with the first quarter of 2020. Adjusted EBITDA margins in our U.S. appraisal segment decreased to 56.3% in the first quarter of fiscal 2021 from the 57.2% we posted in the same quarter last year. Turning to our U.S. title segment, first quarter revenues were up 39% year over year, while transaction costs increased 29.3% leading to net revenue margin expansion of 250 basis points. The expansion in net revenue margins was due to the flow of volumes in the first quarter, which saw us close more transactions than we received in new orders. Transaction costs attributable to mortgage origination orders are typically incurred 45 days in advance of recognizing revenues. Accordingly, there is a lag between when we record transaction costs and when we recognize revenue. As expected, new refinance orders in the month of December, for example, were lower than October and November due to the holidays. As such, net revenue margins improved as the number of orders we completed and recognized revenues for were proportionally higher than the new orders received in the quarter. Looking ahead, we anticipate the launch of a number of new title clients in the second quarter of fiscal 2021. Accordingly, we expect to incur transaction costs attributable to orders from these new clients in the the latter half of the second quarter that will convert to revenue in the third quarter of fiscal 2021. As Brian mentioned earlier, centralized U.S. title segment revenues nearly doubled to 36.2 million from 18.8 million in the first quarter of fiscal 2020. Diversified revenues decreased 63.2 percent to 2.4 million as a result of planned initiatives to focus on large, centralized U.S. title clients. And other title revenues were down 59.9 percent to 1.4 million, representing lower home equity activity. As we outlined during our last quarterly call, over the course of fiscal 2020, we made the strategic decision to streamline some of our diversified title operations due to the growth in our centralized title business. To that end, we exited the commercial business and unwound our title only and search operations and reallocated these diversified title resources to our centralized title operations to support a larger, long-term strategic growth opportunity for the company. Operating expenses in our US title segment increased $5.1 million to $15.1 million in the first quarter of fiscal 2021. In the quarter, we continue to build capacity in this segment and rationalize their customer base to make room for a tier one launch. This capacity build will result in a further increase in title operating expense in the second quarter this year. While it is often difficult for us to dictate when new client launches launches will occur, we are confident in the timing and scale of our investment. Adjusted EBITDA increased to 11.6 million in the first quarter of fiscal 2021 up from the 8.4 million we posted in the same quarter last year. However, adjusted EBITDA margins declined 220 basis points to 43.5% as a result of our ongoing investment to build capacity for growth in our US title business. We remain confident in our ability to achieve adjusted EBITDA margins of 50 to 55% by fiscal 2025. In Canada, revenues increased 40.7% 40.7% on a year-over-year basis to $10.8 million, while net revenue margins contracted by 190 basis points due to a reduction in insurance inspection services as a result of COVID-19 and the mix of mortgage origination volumes serviced. Canadian segment operating expenses were $0.4 million in the first, in the first quarter, down 26.9% from the first quarter of fiscal 2020. And adjusted EBITDA margins increased to 73.7% from 55% in the same quarter last year as we leveraged our appraisal operations in a higher overall volume environment and incurred modestly lower travel and entertainment expense due to COVID-19. In total, first quarter consolidated net revenue increased 24.8% to $44 million up from the $35.3 million reported in the first quarter of Fiscal 2020. And consolidated net revenue margins increased to 36.6% in the first quarter of Fiscal 2021, up from 34% in the first quarter of Fiscal 2020, due in large part to the contributions made by our U.S. title business. As a result of our solid operating performance, consolidated adjusted EBITDA rose to 17.4 million in the first quarter of fiscal 2021 from 14.5 million in the same quarter last year. And consolidated adjusted EBITDA margins decreased to 39.6% in the first quarter of fiscal 2021 versus the 41.2% we posted in the first quarter of fiscal 2020 due to the capacity investments we made in both our US title and U.S. appraisal segments this quarter to service higher volumes in Q1 and in anticipation of higher volumes in the second half of the year. These investments were partially offset by lower travel and entertainment expense as a result of COVID-19. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the quarter with cash and cash equivalents of 118.6 million, down from 129.2 million at September 30, 2020. Cash from operations of $7.3 million was offset by CapEx of $2.3 million related to the opening of two new title offices in Dallas and Phoenix. As we continue to scale our title business, we are making the necessary investments to support our growing footprint and expanding the breadth of our operations to meet clients and regulatory requirements. We also continue to purchase shares under our normal course issuer bid purchasing approximately 1.2 million shares at a cost of about 18.9 million in the first quarter of fiscal 2021. Post quarter end, we purchased over 90,000 additional shares. With that, I'll turn it back over to Brian. Brian? Thanks,
2: Bill. Overall, we were very pleased with how the business performed in the first quarter, making it a solid start to the year in a traditionally seasonally lower quarter. While our US title segment benefited from US mortgage market tailwinds in the first quarter, more importantly, we continue to make progress with market share in appraisal and title, and we are investing in our business, laying the foundation for future growth. As Bill mentioned, we are continuing to build title capacity in Q2, while rationalizing our customer base to make room for at least one tier one launch. We are making the right decisions today for the long term, and we remain confident in our ability to convert at least one large tier one lead client in title this year. We believe that the market surge for refinance activity will continue. We remain focused, however, on driving market share through operational performance and scale to build value over the long term. I'd like to thank our team and the field professionals on our network for helping us deliver solid results this quarter especially during the holidays. With that operator, we'd like to open it up now for questions.
1: Thank you, sir. At this time, I would like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, please press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, that's star then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to avoid your question, you can press the pound key. Presenters, your first question will come from the line of Mr. Richard Tse from National Bank Financial. So your line is now live. Go ahead, please.
4: Yes, uh, thank you. Um, Guys, I was just wondering if you could maybe uh, talk about the trajectory of the appraisal business for the remainder of the year. Um, I'm expecting that you're still going to see some growth, but maybe you can kind of give us an update on that.
2: Yeah, so so you know seasonality, Richard is is playing into things, um, and so our view is we're going to go into that spring and uh, and summer market, and and much as we sort of forecasted out in the year, we believe that we will see some some good up ramp um, in Q3 and Q4. Q2 will will continue to sort of uh, plug away, um, and but I think we'll we'll actually see that up up ramp Q3 Q4.
4: Okay. And then yeah, I guess uh, one of the challenges is that there are a number of different items within sort of this appraisal segment, you know, for, for sure you, you call it like home equity and default. Um, can you give us maybe a bit more color or some finer detail on sort of the market share gains you are, you are having in appraisals?
2: Sure. So um, the majority of our tier ones in this past quarter, we increased market share with so we, we are continuing to see through operational excellence. Uh, I mentioned that we celebrated our third year being top of the scorecard with one of our tier ones. So we continue to, to see the, the fruits uh, of that labor. And, uh, and so that was, a, that was a very good quarter that we just had as far as uh, continuing to build market share with those tier ones. Uh, also mentioned, Richard, that we launched a new tier two into two different channels. So that is at the very front edge, of course, of, um, of volume, but we expect to continue to see some growth and market share gaining uh, with that new Tier 2. Okay. And
4: Richard,
3: if I could just, oh, sorry, Richard, I apologize. It's Bill, if I could just add, uh, one of the things that we've uh, we expressed, I think, on the call and, and it's in, in our MD&A as well is just to give you some perspective on how we've done relative to the market. So. When we look at the addressable market in our appraisal business, our view is that it was, it was really flat uh, year over year. Uh, but when you look at those origination revenues in isolation, they increased over nine percent. So I think that's a pretty decent proxy for uh, you know our, our volume growth and our market share gains on the quarter. There really was no meaningful price change uh, quarter to quarter as it relates to the the average price of an appraisal, be it refinance or purchase. So it's really that's a good proxy for our volume gains uh, quarter over quarter or year over year. Apologies
4: okay and, and just sort of on that point would you guys ever consider you know segmenting that sort of uh, information on those other lines of businesses within appraisals going forward just because it, it obviously um, kind of distorts the results uh, of the sort of pure business that you have right now is that something you would consider going forward
3: joe i'm going to hand that over to you yeah, absolutely so we, we certainly lay down the difference in revenues um and, and we have uh, done so since uh, since the end of last year, Richard. So you're going to continue to see at least the bifurcation. So you can you can see how the home equity, uh, you know, portion of our business relative to the, to the main uh, larger origination channel is behaving. And, and when we're giving our market estimates, we're obviously uh, focused on the origination channel principally. We we obviously gravitated away from a, a total market view where we included home equity and default transactions. Really just focused and isolating on on the main origination channel. And those are aligned with our 2025 strategic long-term targets as well. So I think that sets up well for at least, you know, understanding the business uh, and, and, and where we're focused on and where we intended to go. I, I don't think I would ever see us taking home equity and, and actually subdividing it in our appraisal segment down to net revenue and EBITDA. Uh, but we certainly give uh, some color at the revenue line. So hopefully that's helpful.
4: Okay. And just one last quick one for me. Uh, you know, obviously, the business is shifting increasingly more towards the uh, title, and it sounds like you guys have quite a bit of activity on a tier one. So, the question is, uh, once you bring on one of these tier ones, does um, it sort of typically take a core to scale these up, much like you referred to uh, in your text today? Um, but those aren't tier ones. But like, what's what sort of the timeline to scale up the tier ones?
2: Good question, Richard. So listen, our expectations on, on the tier one um, that we're in discussions with are probably a little more aggressive than we've talked to you in the past. And I think that's namely because we've got and uh, built up this sort of uh, performance equity on the appraisal side. So as opposed to it taking some time, a quarter or two for us to actually start seeing uh, a decent amount of volume, our feeling is that uh, in our Our planning is around us taking on a a much better chunk of volume, so a decent amount of of market share from the get go. So we we have expectations that we'll take on uh, some good volume from the tier one in the second half of this quarter. That's
4: great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Richard.
1: Your next question will come from the line of Mr. Daniel Chen from TD Securities. So your line is now live, go ahead, please.
4: Thanks, Um, so you mentioned that uh, you have uh, discussions going with the majority of the tier ones. Can you just give us some color on the timing of those and how far along you are in those discussions?
2: Sure, Daniel, I think think we look at this very similarly to uh, our appraisal experience. So if we fall back on that, it was uh, it was 18 months plus give or give or take a month so call it 18 to 24 months from the signing of the the first contract with the tier one until we had uh, all six of the tier ones in in contract um so our view is similar with the title business we feel that the progress on the sales pipeline sets us up for that sort of uh, that, that same type of dynamic
4: but well, we should expect um, steady tier one wins throughout that 18 month period, right? Correct, correct. Um, and then on the waivers that you guys um, started talking about last quarter, any change on the percentage of appraisals that need to be waived? No, it was a very similar uh, quarter this quarter as,
2: as we had sort of suggested and, and forecasted last quarter. So, um, What's going to happen now as we go forward is the waiver rates, the average waiver rate will, will come down simply because of mix. So remember that the waiver rates on, on rate refinance, as, uh, as the market shifts, purchase starts coming up, cash out refi comes on board, uh, we believe that, uh, that the waivers will slowly start making their way down. Okay.
4: And the last one for me, um, you introduced um, your your data strategy at the um, at the uh, analyst day. Just wondering uh, what the pipeline of acquisitions is, is looking like for you to acquire into that data strategy. Thanks.
2: Yeah, not much of an update there, Daniel. We we continue to look at opportunities in the market, but uh, but nothing has progressed worth uh, worth conversation here.
1: Thank you, sir. Your next question will come from the line of Athanas Muschopoulos from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is now live, so go ahead, please.
5: Hi, good morning. Um, as we think about your market share gains and appraisal through the rest of the year, are there any mitigating factors we should think about, uh, be it in terms of what you're seeing as far as the type of share gains that uh, your own customers are likely to capture as far as the overall market or be it with respect to the purchase refi mix in the industry? Um, And anything you'd call out as we think about share gains
2: you know so i I think still early to make a call on that uh thanos as uh, as i think we've talked about in the past with regards to refinance often some of the non-banks um will get going and and take some share early when there's uh when there's a refinance event and, uh, and so I think there, there may have been a little bit of that early, but I think the um, some of the big tier ones now, you're seeing uh, some good growth there, definitely very competitive on the rates. So we we think that that will continue to evolve, but uh, but definitely we, we're feeling very confident in uh, in some of the big tier ones, uh, making sure that they are continuing to take their fair share of, of market share. So I think that's how we would look at it going forward. And the, and the purchase refi mix, I think we told you, we, we have been um, heavier on the refi mix. Um, a bunch of that's driven by just the, the customer mix. So players, uh, some of our big players are very refi focused. Um, and that's generally, not surprisingly, a non-bank like Quicken. Um, and so some of our tier ones are quite focused on purchase. So as we move into the purchase cycle, um, we think that they will fare very well. Okay.
5: And uh, with respect to your expectations of uh, waiver activity coming down later this year, um, is that primarily a mixed dynamic, or might there be other factors that you're anticipating um, in terms of, be it uh, the GSC participation in the overall market, or be it in terms of um, GSC waiver behavior within, you know, um, refi versus purchase?
2: Yeah, so refi versus purchase, that's, for me, anyways part of the mixed piece, so I just, uh, the, the the waiver rate on purchases is quite a bit less than it is on um, on refi rate and same with cash out. So there's a mixed piece, so I think that will just evolve, especially as we head into the spring and summer markets. Um, as far as GSEs, we've talked a little bit around, um, around the fact that there's a sort of cohort of, of uh, identified um, mortgage holders that we believe will find their way through the pipeline, and so hence why we've talked about in the second half of the year, starting to see that that overall sort of uh, waiver rate start finding its way down. And sorry to clarify, would you expect that um, the GFC
5: level of waivers say within refi, I think they're waiving something like record ratios now uh but but would you expect that their waiver activity within let's say refi would come down or do you think that remains constant but that's but the deal no,
2: yeah we think over time dennis we think over time that um that cohort that we talk about the 720 credit score the recent appraisal good LTV, that whole group we believe that will find its way through the funnel so we've talked about in the second half seeing that actual rate refinance waiver rate uh, slowly start making its way down. We we plan for a very slow uh, decrease, but I think we might see a little bit more of a decrease just with the mix um, coming in with with purchase starting to ramp up in the spring. Okay. And then finally, um, what are you
5: seeing as far as uh, lender capacity? Um, Are are they growing their processing capability um, to the extent that you have been anticipating?
2: Yeah, they're, get, they're getting there, I think, from our standpoint. So, and you're seeing it, I think, in the margins. You're seeing the margins from the 10-year and 30-year come down. You've seen the rates come down dramatically, of course. So, they're now starting to compete uh, more for the business, which that's, I think, a, a decent proxy for them uh, definitely having more more capacity. Um, if you look at the labor rates, it's a, it's a slightly sort of staticky story. It, it's not a significant growth in... Um, in capacity but from what we're seeing in the market the market dynamics would tell us that they're getting good they're getting close to where we would ex- expect capacity to get to great thanks i that pass the line
1: thank you sir your next question will come from the line of paul steep from scotia capital so your line is now live go ahead please
4: great thanks could you comment maybe just a little bit about the trend in diversified title revenue and Put it in context of your comments from the MD&A regarding maybe reallocating resources respecting that you're ramping for your tier one clients later in the year should we read that to mean basically that, that those revenues are basically going to approach zero you exited the market or is it you know going to sustain that'd be the first part
2: sure so so Paul uh, diversified title Um, It's a a less scalable business than our centralized title business. So uh, as we saw the refinance wave start picking up, we took a look at a portion of our diversified title business that was very relevant to the centralized title business as far as capabilities go. And so we then decided it made sense for us to start streamlining that part of our business and move it in to support centralized title. So that was... The commercial side of the business and so as of this past quarter we have shut down that portion of diversified title we are still running our uh, capital markets piece of the business and uh, and that continues to, to perform uh, but that's that's sort of our view so that that business will continue um uh, going forward so expect that there will be capital markets uh, revenue coming in capital markets have been a little bit soft so um we're we'd like to see that uh, be a little little healthier that portion of the business but that's uh, that's currently the way we're looking at it so commercial has been closed down um th- those resources have been put into the centralized type title business and uh, we'll we'll continue to run the mat- the capital markets
4: portion of the business that's helpful so just to be so i'm i'm clear on it the 2.4 this quarter that's just pure capital markets and so there's no real trailing amount, not that it's material, with
2: yeah. regard to. Be, be, be it would be Yeah, it would be immaterial, the
4: commercial uh, revenue there. So then the second part of that, and it's to the comments you made in the MDNA and in the prepared text, just regarding the cost, right? It sounds like you shifted resources. It wasn't clear whether you added new resources and whether those resources were all in for a full quarter, I guess where I'm going with this is I'm trying to reconcile your comments about your adding expense into the next quarter in advance. How much should we think it grew in terms of, you know, is this a decent baseline or is it going to materially move higher? Thanks.
2: No problem. So we've been growing our costs. We started talking about uh, building up the capacity, capacity in two areas, one of course is building out our network, so onboarding more notaries and, and abstractors in preparation for uh, more volume, as well as uh, onboarding uh, resources to support things like um, like search and, uh, and curative. So we've been hiring Paul, I think we've been pretty clear and actually given numbers on, uh, on folks that we've been hiring. So we've definitely been bringing folks in, as well as that that transition that we mentioned around some of the DT resources onto the um, onto the centralized title business. So we're building people, as well as uh, investing in the network, and making sure that we are uh, we're, we're out attracting and bringing bringing up the the network. So that is, I think, the way we would look at it. Did I answer your question? I'm, I apologize. Is there a second part to your question?
4: Try, all, all we're trying to do is just sort of level set, you know, whether or not you've got a full right. quarter of the cost and how significantly. And I, I was just referring to OPEX, so sure.
2: Yeah, so, so we'll continue. To, I mean, I, I can turn that over to Bill for, for maybe a little more color around OPEX. But we're going to continue to scale that business up in this quarter with that expectation of, of volume in the, uh, the second half, increasing volume. But, Bill, I'll let you uh, comment on OPEX.
3: Sure. Thanks, Paul. Great question. I I think uh, what you're going to continue to see is really just an echo in Brian's comments that we are going to continue to to build that capacity up with the expectation of that volume coming, especially in Q3 and Q4, converting into revenues. Your question really is, you know, we we, we posted a $15.1 million OPEX in our title business. That was up, you know, roughly $1.6 million sequentially over the Q4 period. If the ultimate i think what you're asking is are we going to see another 1.5 or 1.6 the short answer is it's probably not going to be that significant but but i would certainly expect it to uh, to have a, a slight further increase off of the 15.1 level that you saw in q1 thanks phil you're welcome
1: thank you and at this time i would like to remind everyone in order to ask a question please press star then the number one on your telephone keypad Your next question will come from the line of Mr. Rob Young from Canaccord Genuity. So your line is now live. Go ahead, please.
6: Hi, good morning. Um, If you look back to uh, the the investor day, is the, um, the waiver volume that you're seeing, is that playing out relatively consistent with your view then? Is there any change in scope of where the waivers are being applied, or is there any change in the volume as you expected it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've stated Rob the waiver rate was a little higher than we'd expected, but we had built waivers uh, and a pretty healthy waiver rate into the overall plan. So, I mean, the plan has that in place. It has it slowly starting to trek down in uh, in the back half of this year, and as we've mentioned before, it makes its way back down to 2019 rates by 2025. The reality is, of course, with the mix of the business. Um, changing over time as, as rate refi becomes, uh, over time, a smaller part of the overall mix. That, of course, will become less relevant uh, in, you know, the back couple of years of the plan.
6: Okay, and that's being driven by two factors. The, as you head into the spring market, there's more purchase volume and the underwriting capacity where it's at, you're expecting it'll shift more towards uh, the tier ones, which would be uh, seem less wavering. Is that, uh, or, or at least in your um, in the composition of your revenue, is that a good way to to summarize
0: that?
2: Yeah. So the the overall mix of the market will definitely start moving more towards uh, purchase, simply because of the dynamics of seasonality kicking in. So you're going to get that, and purchase has a very low waiver rate. It's somewhere in five to six percent right now. Historically, more like two to three. So um that will of course just generally change the overall average of the uh of the waiver rate so that's that's i think in the in the short term and then longer term uh rob we've talked about the cohort that we think uh goes through this and the requirement for data all the other elements around uh, the gses we think will start that track down in the second half
6: okay and then um going into the spring market where the, uh, the volumes are expected to, to increase if lender underwriting is at you know very high capacity levels right now should we expect a normal seasonal uptick or will it be limited by lender capacity
2: I think well I think we'll have to see I mean our expectation is that we will have a, a strong um, spring market the analysts out uh, on the street have been talking about the US market having a, a a strong spring and summer, so uh, our view is the overall purchase market should be pretty solid. Um, comment earlier around I, I think the capacity is is uh, pretty good at the uh, at the lenders. I may may not be exactly where we we would have liked it to be, but it's definitely much better than it was last year at this time. So. Um, so the comment, Rob, is I think the purchase market will uh, will be will be strong. It's not much different though than the way we had forecasted it for Q3 and Q4.
6: Okay. And then when you're talking about the shift of headcount, that's likely a bit of a, a top um, a, a rev- short-term hev- revenue headwind. And also in Q2, the capacity increases that you're expecting. I think you suggested that you're expecting. Um, title volume to increase in the back end of Q2, where you would recognize mm-hmm. the cost. And so Q2, you're gonna see some top line headwind, but also a, a, a strong tick up in your expenses.
2: Yeah, so the, the top, yeah, the, the top line is uh, making room in the portfolio for the incoming tier one volume. So there's a, there's a piece of that, there's another piece, Rob, which is I think the second point you were talking about, which is uh, we had a very good margin um, in Q one on on title uh, down to EBITDA, and we had a, a really good margin because we closed more uh, orders than we opened, which is not unusual with uh, with December. Um, and so in this, in this upcoming quarter, we see that in the back half, we are preparing for that volume. To your point, we think we are going to open lots of orders in the back half and close those in Q3, and we take the cogs on those orders up front. So we've got that, and then you've layered on the piece, which is around capacity build, so we will continue to, to build up uh, capacity. So that's where you will get some, uh, some expenses in Q2.
6: Okay, and and maybe just to put a little bit of a finer point there, I don't know if you'd said this earlier on the call, but with that capacity increase exiting Q2, is that related to like expectations on new customer wins or is that just related to regular uh, volume increase from seasonality?
2: No, that's that's very much focused on customer wins. That's almost 100% focused on customer wins. Okay, great. Expected customer
6: wins. and then last yep. question uh, from me would be, um, I mean, there's some complaints uh, in the market around appraiser uh, professional shortages, and are you seeing any impact on uh, the capacity, especially, I guess the, the capacity increases are more, more on the title side, but are you seeing any uh, impact on capacity on the appraiser side? And then I'll pass the line.
2: Yeah, no, no, we haven't. And um, we're quite fortunate that uh, some of the, the large lenders are actually warming up to the idea of, Uh, including trainees, as long as, of course, it's signed off by that certified appraiser. So um, our view right now, Rob, is we're not seeing any shortages around that. And uh, we we haven't had a problem finding and fulfilling orders. Okay, thank
1: you. Thank you, sir. And that will be for our last question for today's conference. Again, thank you so much, presenters. Thank you, everyone, for participating. This concludes today's conference. You may now disconnect. Stay safe and have a lovely
2: day. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.
5: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.